Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. Two weeks have come and gone. We're still here in the same place. I don't know when we're making the switch. If you missed our announcement last week, we're eventually going to be moving where the podcast is hosted instead of being under the UConn blog, which is where you find it now. If you subscribe on whatever podcast app you like, it's going to be in its own Chasing Perfection feed. Still waiting on a couple things with that. I'm going to check in after the show to see where things are with that. But again, you're going to know when we make the change. So still in the same spot for now with the change coming soon. But anyways, we're actually getting close to having some real tangible news about UConn women's basketball. Actually, we did get some real tangible news today on Wednesday. And the team's going to be back on campus. Most of the team, at least, is going to be back on campus this weekend as they move in and start their first summer session. Exciting time. So in a little bit, we're going to talk about our totally wild, completely unfounded predictions for next season before we are tainted by having information about this team. So before we get anything from Gino or the players, anything like that, We wanted to make some predictions to see where we think this team is going to be so that we can go back and compare it to where we think this team is going to be once we get to, let's say, August or preseason, and then look way back almost a year from now where this team actually ended up. But before we get to that, Gino Ariama has a new extension through the 2024-25 season. It's technically a five-year extension, but it is retroactive to last season. It also has two one-year mutual options. I can't imagine if Gino is still around in 2024-25 that UConn or Gino is not going to want to come back for two more years. So it's almost to a certain degree a seven-year contract. Worth a lot of money. He remains, I believe, the most well-paid coach in women's basketball, if not very close to it. I know he surpassed Kim Mulkey, although I think the private schools don't actually have to disclose how much their coaches make. So theoretically, Tara Vanderveer, or I actually don't even know who else would be in that conversation. Maybe Muffet McGraw was, but I can't imagine Neil Ivy is making anything close to what Muffet was. But either way, somewhat close to the highest paid coach, if not the highest paid thought it was really interesting how in the release about it, he made a comment about how he expects to stick around for a few more years. I don't really know if it says anything about where he plans to be in a while. And if he's planning on retiring anytime soon, I don't really think it has any necessary impacts on that. You're going to extend Gino as far out and if he wants to retire, he can retire at any time. It's not like he has to wait or anything. So obviously it's a good sign that he wants to continue to coach and is willing to take an extension like this. But I, I don't think this precludes him from maybe retiring in two years, not saying he will just throwing that date out as opposed to retiring in five years, six years. I think it's really still going to be all up to him regardless of his contract. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it really tells us much of anything other than that he's not leaving this year, which we already knew. So exactly. Yeah. And in the past, he's always said he's going to coach until 
I think one time he said he's going to wake up one day and just decide, nope, I don't want to do this anymore. Or he's going to realize he can no longer get the players that he wants to come to UConn, which looking at their recent recruiting, that time doesn't look like it's anywhere in the near future. And with just waking up and not wanting to do it one day, I feel like it seems like every single time he's missed time and he's missed time each of the last three years with just a random kind of flu thing in 2018, 19, he missed a road trip and he's even admitted since then that he really probably could have made that one work. He had that diverticulitis surgery, I guess, two seasons ago now. And then obviously COVID this year. And it always feels like when he gets back from missing that time, he always talks about how much he missed being on the sideline and how hard it was to just watch the games. So I feel like he frequently gets reminders and not just when he misses games, but other times about how much he actually like loves coaching still. And you can tell that, I mean, he talked all the time about how this team drove him nuts, but let's be honest. He really loved working with this team. It seemed like so health wise, if he can at least continue to stay healthy and not have any issues going forward, I don't see him retiring anytime in the length of this contract. Yeah, I agree with that. I think if he's healthy, he's probably going to stay. Like you said, as much as he said this team annoyed him, I think you could see like from his reactions after games and stuff, just like how much fun he was having with this team, especially because they were so young. So I feel like if you're continuing to have that much fun doing your job, I mean, he looks like he's having way more fun than I do at my job. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. This is my job, so... I'm just going to refrain comment on that one. No, I, I do enjoy this, but yeah, I mean, anytime I, I don't know how many coaches there are that are really miserable in what they do, because it always seems like a lot of times when I've talked with coaches or just from hearing them talk with other people, being around these young kids and young players always kind of seems to rejuvenate them. And I think that helps too, where, like he, he clearly, I, I know I just said this, but like, he clearly just has fun messing around with Paige Beckers and kind of going back and forth with her and always kind of being not up to date, but I guess in the know of what's happening with, I have hand quotes up kids these days. So <laughs> I, I just don't know what he would do if he retires because I, he can take a job in the athletic department for, I think, what, like a hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that. Or he can just retire and get $1 million. So I guess he could travel or do things like that, but I can't imagine him retiring and then never showing up to a basketball game again. Like I feel like he maybe would retire and then kind of just be like an ambassador for the school maybe because we've seen him UConn baseball put out a video of him talking to the team after they won the big East regular season. And before they went to the big East tournament there was a photo of him at the softball biggies tournament a few weeks ago at UConn. Obviously he's got a really good relationship with Mike Cavanaugh. He talks about Ray Reed a lot, the men's soccer coach, good relationship with Dan Hurley too. Edsel. It, he's just so well-versed and so good at being a part of the athletic department and things like that. I mean, today he even called Jim Penders the best coach at UConn, which no disrespect to Jim Penders, but I think he might be selling himself a little short there. So yeah, maybe that's what he does, but I, I think he just enjoys being involved in it too much to give it up as long as his health allows him to stay on the sideline. 
Yeah, exactly. I think he's going to be around for a while. And even post that, he's probably going to be around the program in some capacity, even when he does retire, whenever that comes. So we'll see when it happens. But hopefully he just stays healthy and he's never going to retire, right? That's what every fan wants to hear. <laughs> Gino's going to be there forever. So. <laughs> right. That day will eventually come, but we don't need to talk about that day right now. <laughs> Instead, we could talk about the new season technically really starting this weekend. It all begins with these summer workouts. And before that happened, UConn announced the jersey numbers for the new players. I don't know if I'm alone in this. I always love knowing what numbers these new players are going to wear every year. I love writing the story about who's worn this number in the past, who is the most famous player to wear this number. Did they wear this number in high school? And then I look forward to seeing why they wear this particular number. Cause a lot of times there's a really interesting story behind it, except for, I think Olivia Nelson, Adota. I'm pretty sure I asked her and she was like, ah, I don't know. It was available. It seemed like a kind of cool number. I picked it. <laughs> anyways, Dorka Uhas, the Ohio state grad transfer is going to wear number 14, same number she had at Ohio state, same number she's worn with the Hungarian national team, Caroline Ducharm wearing number 33, both her high school number 13 and her AAU number five were taken. AZ Fudd wearing her high school number 35. Amari DeBerry, same thing, number 42. I just got to say, I feel like it's an absolute power move by Caroline Ducharm to wear number 33, considering she's drawn a lot of comparisons to Katie Lou Samuelson. So, okay, I'm just going to completely lean into that and wear her exact number. I also thought that that was funny because like you said, she's been compared to Lou so much and then picks the same number. So pretty funny. <laughs> also, I feel like, I mean, there have been some really good players that have worn number 33 throughout UConn's history. There's friend of the show. The only guest we ever had on the show, Meg <laughs> Como, Meg Patterson Como, then Jamel Elliott, Shea Ralph, well, wow, lots of coaches in that 33 lineage right there. <laughs> but obviously, Katie Lou Samuelson is the most recent. Off the top of my head, I don't think there was anyone really that much earlier than Lou who had worn it. She obviously wore it for Larry Bird, but it, I think it's just great. It seems like a really good sign of who Caroline Ducharm is mentally at least assuming she picked it because of Katie Lou Samuelson for all we know she could have just picked some random number but <laughs> yeah I the, that was the first thing I noticed when I saw that and it's like okay this kid knows what's up yeah definitely <laughs> so with the team getting back on campus we heard from Gino for the first time since the end of the season on Wednesday lots of various things that he had spoke about here and there, but he also talked about a lot of roster updates with the team. There's not going to be a full roster for this summer camp, mini camp type of thing. And he kind of mentioned how it's all about acclimation. He wants to get specifically the freshmen, but all the newcomers kind of used to getting up and going to class in the morning, getting used to being in college and kind of what that experience is like, but also it's going to be helpful for the sophomores because they took all their classes online. So I remember asking one of them, I want to say it was Aaliyah about what it was like to be taking classes online or maybe I actually, I think it was a I feel like I bring this up a bunch, but about what it's like not going to class. And she mentioned how they have a lot more time to do things because they're not spending the time walking to and from class. They can just take class you know, in Worth, in their bedroom, on the couch, something like that. 
Whereas now they're going to have to go to class. I remember Ravina saying that the freshmen were in for a rude awakening when they actually had to go. All their classes are going to be in person this summer. So that's going to be an adjustment. I think it's a good adjustment. Going to classes for me made things so much easier. It forces you to just get out of your house or apartment or dorm. You see other people. It just feels so much more structured and it's a lot easier. At least it was for me to get things done. Yeah. I mean, I never went through the pandemic being in school, but I, from like a work perspective, I feel like when I used to at least go to the office a couple of days a week, I had more structure too. So similar thing. Yeah. Like I think it's going to give them more structure, even though it might, they might have a little bit less time. And plus they get to get used to it during the summer too. Right. I think that's going to make it easier come fall. If they just had to jump into the in-person classes along with everything else at the start of the fall semester, I think that would be a little more difficult, but they've got this summer time period to kind of acclimate to that and get used to that after being in a weird year where they didn't have that. So I think that'll make it easier when you're probably just taking a couple classes in the summer and it's a, it's a little bit lighter load. It'll make it easier for them to get all adjusted for when the actual semester starts. Right. And there's just so much you have to learn about going to class in the first place. Like, all right, my class is at 9.05. I am, I have to figure out how long it takes me to go to class. Like I remember my freshman year, my first classes, I think I left my dorm like half an hour before my classes and got there like 20 minutes early. And like the previous classes weren't even out. So it's like, okay, I think I can probably afford to leave my dorm a little later, which ended up being a little bit of a bad thing. But, (laughs) and then like, once you're in class, just kind of feeling out the professor learning like just how to take notes in class, whether you're good on the computer, whether you'd rather take them in the notebook, figuring out how the class works, all those, there's just so many things that you have to factor in. I didn't really ever take online class. I had, I think it was three weeks or four weeks of online classes when everything shut down. That definitely doesn't count. So yeah, it's a good adjustment to make. And I feel like it, it's probably beneficial that they're going to things because I always enjoyed walking to and from classes, whether you're walking with someone, one of your friends, or I always loved walking around campus with headphones on. So it's just like a nice moment where you don't have to do anything. So I imagine for an athlete where your schedule is already pretty busy, nobody can fill up the time in between when you're walking to classes or anything like that. So I feel like it's probably a plus. And also it's just a sign that things are getting back to normal. Exactly, right? Like freshman year for the freshman last year. And I mean, for everyone on the team last year, just was nothing like not a normal college experience at all. And I feel like most people really enjoy their time in college and really want that normal college experience. So it's it's exciting that you're seeing things that are steps towards making next year look more like a normal year. Right. Well, and it also helps. Gino mentioned that I think his quote was all but a couple players are fully vaccinated and he didn't totally specify but it sounds like at least the players that are coming in that won't be fully vaccinated are either getting there just waiting out that clock of two weeks or they're going to need their second shot from what it sounded like he he didn't specify and I didn't have a chance to ask specifically if everyone was going to get it but it sounds like it which means it doesn't seem like they have that one week or 10 day quarantine anymore. He said they're going to, they're going to be able to just get right into workouts, which is definitely a plus. So with how much they were locked down last season and couldn't go anywhere, if you're fully vaccinated, it's going to help 
get out, go more places. You don't have to be so uptight about where you can go and who you can see. You can have a little more just flexibility and freedom in your life, which is also just a huge step forward. So it seems like that normalcy is at least returning. I mean, Connecticut's fully open at this point, but normalcy is returning to the program too. Yeah. And I would say from what I've seen on Instagram, I feel like most of the players have their shots. I feel like I've seen almost all of their vaccine cards at some point on Instagram. <laughs> so yeah, I think that corroborates what he said. Probably I would guess that like Nika might be the only person that's not just because she's not currently in the U.S. So it's probably more difficult to, to get the vaccine, but she should be able to get it as soon as she gets back here. So yeah, that's a, definitely a sign that things are moving towards normal. I feel like Connecticut feels pretty normal right now it's still a little off-putting to me it's like you walk into a place and there's tons of people and it's just like wait what <laughs> but yeah it is definitely moving towards normal yeah absolutely speaking of things we've seen on instagram have you seen avina westbrook doing zumba on yes. i think her mom's posted it <laughs> oh my god it is so funny I, I there's no way i'm gonna be able to like verbally describe this uh through a podcast but I think it's her mom, Eva Westbrook. I don't know her handle off the top of my head, but she's posted videos of Avina doing Zumba. And it's it's just like laugh out loud funny. It is so entertaining to watch. And it's like Avina's definitely like into it too. It's not like she's just doing it. I mean, she does kind of seem to be doing it for the fun of it, but I can't wait to talk to Avina and see what she's thought about doing Zumba and how much it's helped. It's just sometimes you need those things to laugh at and that has been like a great source of comic relief yes <laughs> so roster wise they're going to be a little short not short i mean they have plenty of players available but they are going to have some players missing so Aliyah edwards is going to be away for gino said all of june at least with the canadian national team i think the america cup is coming up and they're going to have to qualify for the Olympics. So it seems like she's going to be part of the roster for the Olympic qualifying. Be really surprised if Canada is not going to make the national team. Nope. That's not the words. <laughs> it, it would be really surprising if Canada doesn't make the Olympics. I think they're what the number four team in the world, according to FIBA. So she isn't necessarily going to be on the Olympic team, but I tweeted that Gina was hoping she was going to miss July with the Olympics. Some people, that follow Canadian basketball think she's going to be on the roster. Take that for whatever it's worth. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of international players outside the U S that have that strength and physicality of Aaliyah Edwards, let alone Canadians that would replace her on the roster. So to me, it feels like a pretty safe bet that she's going to be in the Olympics, which is really awesome. I mean, the fact that they can, that a player's, a UConn player who's only a sophomore is going to have that type of experience that I think is going to be huge for her development. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to get to play at that level against the best of the world is really awesome. And Canada is in a position they have a chance to medal. Like they're probably competing for the bronze medal. I think obviously the U S is like the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite to win it all or to win gold. And Australia is pretty solid as well, but there's, there's a handful of WNBA players that are going to make that Canada roster. So playing alongside them is going to be great experience for her. And then just, I mean, getting to just go to Olympics, right? That's something that most players probably at this level dream about for most of their life. So like get to do that in college is really cool. Right. I mean, the U.S. women's national team is 
there's like juggernauts and then whatever word there is to describe what the u.s national team is because like for as dominant as uconn is and how much they just blow through most competition isn't it something like the national team has lost like one game since 1995 yeah i don't know the exact numbers but i would 100 percent believe that there's just like really no teams that can touch them i guess they lost that game to oregon last year but (laughs) oh that's right oh my god i forgot about that I mean, UConn like gave them a decent run for their money too. It's not like they totally blew UConn out, right? But I mean, I think you're just saying had a bunch of players that had practiced together at that point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Right, that wasn't like an accurate representation. Yes, (laughs) for sure. But no, they're like just a ridiculously dominant, or maybe it's in like international competitions, not counting friendlies. Mm -hmm. Like they literally just do not lose. Not they don't lose often, they do not lose. So I think it would take an upset of epic proportions for the United States to lose. And from a Yukon perspective, it would be great if Canada did that because of Kia Nurse and Aliyah Edwards, obviously, assuming they're both on the team. From an American perspective, if Canada beats the US in any sport, really, I'm gonna be extremely mad. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you have much to worry about there. I'm pretty sure right. you, you just can't gonna run away with the gold there. <laughs> you can't lose to your own hat. You just can't yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of national teams, AZ made the U19 World Cup team. That's not really much of a surprise. It's too bad Paige Beckers had her ankle surgery because she almost definitely would have been on this national team too with AZ. Amari DeBerry is also a finalist on that team. There's five finalists. There's three spots. And from what I was reading, one of the finalists is either a Notre Dame commit or a Notre Dame player who was injured, I believe, for the trials, who wasn't even able to participate. So the national team said she could come back and have the finalist trials be her own tryout opportunity two spots or two of those players are going to left out. You really hope Amari DeBerry can make that roster just because similarly, it's not the same level as Aaliyah with the Canadian national team, but that's still really good experience. Still a chance to play with AZ and just play with some really good players. Caitlin Clark's on that team, a handful of other top recruits in the 2020 and 21 classes. So that would just be a big step in her development. Ayanna Patterson was also at least in the trials. So I think, she probably would have been a little much to expect her to make the team, but it was still good for her to get that experience. So hopefully Amari can, Amari can make the team and come home with a gold medal because we all know that that U S team is not losing. They're going to win every single game by 50. It's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely winning. So, so hopefully she can make the roster. She's got, I think some tough competition there and that there's, I think three players in that finalist pool that have already got a year of college under their belt. So um, players with a little bit more experience than her, but I mean, she's a top recruit, so probably a higher ranked recruit than some of those players were coming into coming into school. So it'll be interesting to see what the final roster looks like, but it'll be a really great opportunity for. I mean, the tra- campus in itself is a great opportunity, but if she can make that final team, that'll be a really good opportunity for her to develop the summer in addition to whatever she would get coming to UConn. Right. Well, and then even with that, just being invited back as a finalist, you get. I don't know how long the period that she's going to be trialing for is, but you're just going to get more and more 
opportunities. And as Gino said today, it's a really good opportunity because you're being coached by different people. You're be you're learning different offensive philosophies and different plays, and you're just learning in a different way than what you would at UConn. And it makes you a more well-rounded basketball player. So whether or not she actually makes the team, just having that exposure to a national team setting, having exposure to these types of players, to these different coaches, it's a positive either way. Right. And I believe it's, it's quite close. The UCLA head coach that's coaching. So really solid coach in the PAC 12. So good person to learn from. Yeah. It should be a really, really solid experience for her, even just the camp in itself, but especially if she makes the roster. For sure. Nika Mule could have made, or could have gone to a Croatian national team camp, but Gino said she declined that to come to UConn. I mean, I, you can't fault her for, whatever decision she would have made. But I think the fact that she's even just getting some recognition, getting that invite to a Croatian national team camp, that's big in and of itself. I don't really know what the Croatian national team is composed of, at least for Poland. Cause I was looking at this when Anna Makarot signed with a team in Poland, which we'll talk about later, but pretty much the entire Polish national team is players playing in Poland and the others were playing in countries whose flags I just did not recognize. So I feel like college basketball has got to be a pretty good level. I mean, we saw Anna Makarak come over from playing in the Polish league, had a very good freshman year, but didn't dominate in division one basketball. So it's got to be a, if maybe a slight step down a comparable level. So if she continues to play the way she did as a freshman and only gets better, she's going to be in the Croatian national team pool for a long time. Exactly. And I, I don't know a lot about Croatian national team at all, but I don't know that they would be a contender really to make the Olympics. So if that's not kind of on the radar. Maybe it does make more sense, you know, to be here with her team at UConn and to be developing alongside those players as well. And there'll probably be plenty of other opportunities for her to play with the Croatian national team as she continues getting better. Yeah, especially, I mean, maybe there's Euros this year, but she could have had an idea that, okay, I'm not going to actually make the team. And at a certain point, how much value is there in just being in a camp as opposed to just being with the team in UConn? Not that she isn't acclimated to the program, but again, she hasn't taken those in-person classes yet. She's going to be able to use this to get ahead academically, so she's not going to have to take a full class load She's going to be able to help the incoming players get integrated, start building that chemistry with them. So from what we know, which obviously isn't everything, it seems like it makes sense. She'll be back there though. Injury wise, Paige Beckers is out for the summer, which we knew from that right ankle surgery to fix the osteochondral defect. So I thought I saw somewhere that someone said that her, that issue wasn't related to her injury against Tennessee. But then when I asked, you know, about it today, she's, he said that it was an issue after he did, she did it against Tennessee. So maybe it was a combination of the two. It was an issue before, but she really did it against Tennessee and made it worse or something. I don't really know. I am looking at a photo of her at a, I believe it's a Washington wizards game with, I think it's Jalen Suggs. It looks like Jalen Suggs with a mask on. But anyways, I'm looking at her crutches and they have two unicorn like stuffed animals on the top as pads. That feels very 
Paige Beckersy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a different one. I've never seen that before, but it's fun. I appreciate her effort to make it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the more surprising injury, I think, was P.F. Gabriel's also out for the summer. She had some sort of surgery. Gino didn't specify what it was. All he said was that it was just something that's kind of been an issue with her since high school. It was something that she needed to take care of was his exact quote. Precautionary was another way that he described it. She didn't need to have it right now, but at some point in her life, she was going to have to have it. So she just wanted to get it over with now. I mean, I understand that I, since we don't know what it is, I don't want to speculate like, Oh, she definitely didn't need it this off season. Like I'll trust her judgment. I think it's just really bad timing because a lot of times we see a really big jump between a player's freshman year and a sophomore year, even with those end of the bench type players. And from when I did my film review of her, I thought there was a decent amount of progress in what we saw from the very beginning of the year to the end of the year. And Gino said that she made a big step forward behind the scenes and a lot of people just couldn't see that. So I think it's a little disappointing that she's not going to have the summer to further develop and continue to get better and all that as she's recovering. I kind of felt like she probably wasn't going to contribute this year, but maybe her junior year could be a realistic goal. That still could be a realistic goal. It just kind of feels like a setback in terms of her development schedule. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I mean, we don't know what it was. So if it was something that was maybe going to have to be done in the next couple of years, maybe that it made sense, right? Because she's just like, like you said, she probably wasn't going to contribute largely this year, but if that was maybe on the table for her junior season, at least she'll have next summer, or at least hopefully. So um, it'll be interesting to see if that kind of sets her back at all in terms of her development in the off season, but she'll have, you know, when she gets back in September and stuff, she'll have time there and if she's not going to be playing a big role in the rotation this year, she'll have all season to be making strides as well. Right. And I think it kind of helps, as you mentioned, that she probably won't be someone getting a lot of minutes just because when you're playing 30, 35 minutes a game, like Paige Beckers or Kristen Williams or 20 minutes, 25 minutes a game, like Olivia Nelson, Adota, you kind of need that recovery post game, the ice, the, therapy all that but for her she's not playing a whole lot I feel like that kind of opens up an opportunity for her to maybe go a little harder days before games she can work out longer the day before practice whereas maybe some of the starters will just when practice ends they'll finish up instead of kind of adding up the physical tolls on their body and same thing after games days after games where maybe the team's recovering a little bit, or if you have one of those stretches where you have like they had this past season where it's game day off game day off game, two days off. There's not a whole lot of time to work in other things, but for her, she can probably get some more practice time in, get some more time in with Chris Daly with Jamel Elliott. But it, it still just feels like this is a very big piece that she's going to be missing out on. So it, anything that she is doing the, during the season, not necessarily catch up, but just a little bit behind where she could have been, but you know, you can't really plan around injuries. So maybe whatever the surgery is, is going to help her develop quicker, something in that nature. I, I don't know why this just came to me when I mentioned Chris Daly, but I saw this video. I don't know how I didn't see it during the NCAA tournament, but if you're not aware of this TikTok trend, it's this thing called, I'm going to pass the phone. So 
you say something like, I'm going to pass the phone to someone who really blanking on a, on an example here. I'm going to pass the phone to someone who, I don't know, sleeps with their socks on. That's a horrible example. And then like the next video, the next part of the video is the person that you pet, like you find out, okay, like this person sleeps with their socks on again, very terrible example, but Yukon <laughs> did one and I don't remember all of them, but someone said, I'm passing the phone to someone who thinks their hair is great, but it's really not that good. And the next one that came up was Chris Daly. And I was like, Oh my God, do you think Chris Daly saw that? Like, I'm kind of convinced that Chris Daly like never even saw that. Or if she did, she just has a really good sense of humor, which could also be. But like, it must have been an upperclassman who said that. Although the freshmen do kind of have a spunk to them. But I just, I was so stunned. I thought it was just going to be some random player. And it was Chris Daly. <laughs> I feel like she probably didn't see it because she's probably not on TikTok. I feel like I'm too old to be on TikTok. So I, I feel like she's probably not on TikTok. <laughs> Well, and then hers was pretty good too. It was, I'm passing the phone to the one who everyone thinks is my favorite, but really isn't. And the next one was Olivia Nelson, a Dota, which like <laughs> she was saying that I'm like, who could this be? And then I went to live and I'm like, ah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I wonder who Chris Daly's favorite is, or maybe like I could actually see her being someone who says she doesn't have a favorite, but actually doesn't have a favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Gino's favorite is absolutely Paige, though. I don't think there's anyone oh, close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. <laughs> Anyways, to move on, as we teased earlier, I want to do just some absolutely wild, out of left field, no information at all predictions. So to start, just an easy one. We've kind of talked about this before, but we need to lock in an official pre-preseason prediction. Who do you have in your starting lineup next season? Okay, I think, well, obviously Paige. That is easy. Um, Kristen, Avina, Liv. And then I feel like the fifth one is where the question mark is. We were so wrong about Paige, and everyone says that AZ is going to be better. So I'm going to go with AZ. I'm just going to go with it this season. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was thinking the exact same thing where it's like, okay, is it better to be wrong about not having a generational player in the starting lineup as a freshman, like we were with Paige, And to a certain degree, I still don't really regret not having Paige in the starting lineup because we just didn't know. We right. knew she was going to be good and we knew she was going to factor in. And I even said she was going to have a really good freshman year. I just didn't think she would start. We were also, I'm going to use this as an excuse. We were given some very faulty information from Gino Ariama. He said the returners were way better than all of the freshmen. And that was just absolutely not true. And he said that Aubrey Griffin was a thousand times better than she was the year before. And I have a different definition of a thousand times better than Gino, apparently. So I would just like to make that clear. We were given faulty information. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's those same four I mean, like, it's probably AZ, right? But at the same time, there's more candidates for that spot than there were this past year. I mean, who knows? Like, Aaliyah could just be a monster after the Olympics, for all we know. Nika could be miles better. I was going to say, Darka's an all-Big Ten player, too. Like, there's just, there's so many (laughs) options. (laughs) Right. So, like, if it was 
am I taking AZ or am I taking the field? I think I would probably take the field just because that's a safer bet. But for a prediction, yeah, I'd rather not be wrong about AZ after being wrong about Paige. I'm kind of the same way. I will say, I have seen a couple people have tweeted me a few times that they don't think Olivia is going to be in the starting lineup next season. I don't think that's going to happen. I think people are still reacting to that Arizona game. And as I've said a bunch of times, yeah, she was bad in that Arizona game. She was really bad in that Arizona game. She was really bad in that Arkansas game. But you can't use two games to define a player's entire career. She really had a solid sophomore year, even against Baylor. All we said was that she needed to just hold her own against those bigs. And she really held her own against those bigs. So at this point in her career, maybe she's not going to be a superstar. Maybe she's not going to be 15 points and 15 rebounds every game, but she's still a good player. She can still more than hold her own out on the court. She's also going to be the most experienced player out there. And I think that matters. And the thing with someone starting is, if Liv looks like she's going to be terrible within the first five minutes, you can just put her on the bench. It doesn't mean she has to play the entire game. So Liv is definitely going to be starting a lot. I think she's probably going to be playing the most minutes of any bigs again this season, but that's still not a very high mark. I think she had like 25 minutes a game this year. So it's not going to be that she is the lion's share of those minutes. I think Dork is going to take some of those minutes. I think Ali is going to get a lot more minutes. So yeah, I, I, I just don't foresee Olivia Nelson Adota not being in the starting lineup next season, barring an injury or either Aaliyah being a lot better and Dorka being better than advertised or something like that. But I just don't think she's going to come off the bench. Yeah, I agree with that. I really would be shocked if she's not in the starting lineup. I think the only way that probably happens is if Aaliyah really just makes like leaps and bounds of a, a jump this summer like something like the type of jump that Nafisa Collier and Katie Lou Samuelson made between their freshman and sophomore year and she has that kind of development maybe she replaces that role but I still feel like just because Liv is the senior that she and has more experience she's still gonna stay stay in that starting spot and it just might be you know Olia ends up with playing nearly as much or even maybe a little bit more minutes but um yeah I would I'll be very very surprised if Olivia doesn't stay in that starting spot and like you said like she did have a really solid junior season she wasn't a superstar by any means but with the exception of those couple games that people really like to point out she had a really good year so I think as long as she's playing at that level she's going to stay in that role also I feel like I've kind of beaten this point into the ground over the last 10 months or whatever but I really don't think many players developed a whole lot last summer with the loss of the summer workouts. And that's when a lot of that development happens, which is the point I was making with Pia. And she came into her junior year. And I think those first few games, she didn't really look all that different than she did at the end of her sophomore year. And she kind of progressed. So I don't think she's suddenly going to be a first team, all American Lisa Leslie award winner type player as a senior, but I don't think this is who Liv is as a finished product. I think there still could be a next step that she makes and I, I don't feel like all hope is 100% totally lost with her, which kind of feels weird to say for a player who was an AP honorable mention All-American. She might have been an AP honorable mention the year before, if I'm not mistaken. This like might be her second straight year getting that. So she's a very good player. And we saw the same thing with Kyla Irwin two years ago where she started, but 
at a certain point, Anamakarat was getting a lot more minutes. So it sometimes is just more helpful for players to come off the bench. And can you just imagine you take Olivia Nelson Adota off the court, a six, five long talented big, or even you take who else would be in the starting lineup? Like, I don't know, maybe AZ out and replace her with Aaliyah Edwards. That is a very, very tough adjustment. You're getting no break when a big comes off the court or even Dorka too. So yeah, I, I would be very, very surprised if she's not in the starting lineup come November, whenever the schedule is released and we find out who their first opponent is. Yeah, exactly. And I think like you said, the, like the rotation next year with like these pieces that they're going to be able to bring it off the bench. Like you're going to basically have a team that has like three players on the bench that would probably start in most other division one programs. It's going to be insane how good they are. Right. Like I know people make the joke a lot. Like UConn's second team would be the second best team in the country this year. I think UConn's second team that they wouldn't be the second best team in the country. They would be a top 25 team. They would be quite good. Mm-hmm. Like if, if we go with AZ in our starting lineup, just your five best players are in your starting lineup. Your second five would be what? Aaliyah Edwards, Nika Mule, Dorka Uhas, then probably Caroline Ducharm and Aubrey Griffin or Mir McLean. Like that's still a pretty solid yeah. team. Maybe a fringe top 25 team coached by Jamel Elliott. Like, that's a solid squad right there yeah (laughs) exactly so but you do bring up a good point with it it seems like the rotation is a little more important the minutes breakdown are more important than a designation of who's starting and who's not because that's a little irrelevant i mean this is kind of a little off the track but that 2011 UConn men's national championship team, Tyler Olander started like every single game in the NCAA tournament and played a grand total of like five minutes in every single one of those games. So starting doesn't mean a whole lot, but let's kind of look at the rotation. So I have four different designations for players. If you've ever played FIFA, it's kind of in the same thread here. We have, foundational players who are the ones that are going to play most minutes. They're going to be the starters. They're going to be upwards of 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 minutes a game. Paige Beckers, Kristen Williams, at least those two. Would you throw anyone else in that group? Uh, Part of me wants to put AZ in there, even though we know nothing, just because like everything that's said about her, like, and especially, I think the big thing with her too is, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things is that the team lacked this year was like the outside shooting, right? Like they couldn't mm-hmm. hit down threes outside of Paige from pretty much anyone else consistently. And her shooting is just supposed to be so good that I feel like she's just got a very easy path to being a, a huge part of this rotation. So it, it's hard when you haven't seen her on the floor yet for Econ, but I think there's probably an argument to put her into that category as well. Right. Also, I think I would put Avina Westbrook in there too, just because we saw what she could do this year. She's coming back. She's going to get a lot of minutes. Also, Olivia Nelson Adota. Like, I don't know. I, I just kind of threw out a random number in there, but Olivia Nelson Adota is still going to play a lot of minutes. She's still going to play a very big role on this team. And I can say that pretty confidently. Whereas I think Dorka is going to do that. I think Ali is going to do that, but I can't necessarily say for certain with those two. 
Yeah, I feel like you can more be more certain about Aaliyah because of, towards the end of last season, we really did see her do that for this team. But Dorka, right. it's always with the transfer, it's hard, right? You don't know exactly how they're going to mesh into the system. Obviously, she's a really talented player and she's been really solid at Ohio State, but it's, it can be difficult to move into a new rotation and a new system. So until we've seen her play a couple of games for UConn, it's going to be hard to tell there. Right. So then next category would be role players, which isn't necessarily the best phrase, but these are just like people who are going to come on, get a lot of minutes, but aren't going to be the superstars on the team. So if Aaliyah Edwards isn't in the foundational category, she's definitely going to be in that one. Nika Mule is definitely going to be in there. And these are the players that are going to get a lot of minutes consistently. You're not going to see any spots where they're going to be benched or they're not going to play a ton of certain games. I think Dork is also probably going to be a mm-hmm. little bit better in that role player category as opposed to a foundational player category and definitely AZ FUD in there too. I think I'd feel pretty confident saying AZ is going to at least be there with the chance that she can move up to category one. Yeah, I feel like the other player that's probably in the competition here is uh, Aubrey Griffin, mm-hmm. assuming that she makes a jump in the offseason. I think we saw her. We didn't see her a lot last year, but I think we're probably both pretty still pretty high on her and what she can do. And she's just a player that there's really no one else that's going to play except other than Merritt that's going to play like she does. So I, I might throw her into that category as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, she definitely has the talent too. She just had a weird year, I think probably more so than any player I think might she might have the best case to just have this be a like not that it was a bad year but just kind of write it off get back for this year she she kind of dealt with weird injuries throughout the year kind of had a tough start had a good stretch in there I think she's going to be a lot better as a junior also I really like Mir McLean's game if she can just not switch off like she did a lot as a freshman she's an impact player whenever she's on the court I just don't know if she's going to make a leap big enough to the point where she's going to get substantial minutes. And that brings us to our third category, which I call just rotational players, people that are going to get minutes that are outside of the fourth quarter of blowouts, but aren't necessarily going to get consistent playing time. Maybe it's going to fluctuate here and there. I think I would confidently put Aubrey in that category. That's where she's been her first two years. I think Miro probably make her way instead of, being an end of the bench player like she was by the conclusion of the season. I think from everything we've heard about Caroline, she's at least going to be in that category too. I think she's going to see some minutes. And then I could also see Amari working her way in there too, just to kind of spell the other three bigs. Maybe Sailor, if she has a good offseason. I do like Sailor's game and thought she was probably better than what I assumed she was after watching every minute of her year the year before. But she's still got a bit of a ways to go. So I I at least think that Caroline, Amari, Mir, and Aubrey are going to be in that third tier of some minutes here and there. Maybe some games they'll play 20 minutes and have a really good game. Then other minutes, maybe they'll only, other games, maybe they'll only have five, 10 minutes. I do not, did not play here or there. So I could, that's kind of the category I'm seeing those players in for now. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And there's probably an argument to put Sailor there as well. I think we saw kind of her be one of the first players out of the kind of the depth of the bench come out and towards the end of the season. So 
that probably speaks a lot to how good she is just because you know she hadn't even been with the team that long she had just come in in January and then she was still getting in before me and stuff sometimes in games so could see her fitting into that rotational group but also there's just only so many minutes to go around on this team and there's a lot of really good releases yeah yeah I mean, the thing that really stood out to me about Sailor is that we, it, it's just kind of so hard to take anything we saw from her last year because the stat that I think really kind of illustrates this best is when the other, I think it was six freshmen came in, they had four months, four and a half months really, from when they arrived on campus in late July and started practice in early August to mid-December when they started playing four months of preparation to start playing basketball, get used to UConn, get integrated into the team, all that. It has more or less been four months since Sailor joined the team to now. Like that's just how long those other players had. She was basically just getting a crash course in UConn basketball for two months. And the fact that she did anything on the court is honestly pretty promising. I think the things that I saw that were good from her were that she seemed to kind of grasp the offensive concepts that UConn was trying to do. There were a few times where she was a little frozen to her spot on the court, but when she was moving around and kind of seemed to know what she was doing, she moved well off the ball. She cut well off of screens. She kind of had a good sense of where to get on the court to get her opportunities. Her shots couldn't fall, which was a little bit of a concern, but again, it's a small sample size. She was probably nervous out of her mind for most of those games. So I'm really interested to see what she looks like this year. And I think she's a player and I, there's a lot of players I think on this roster where if they can be patient and just kind of wait for all these players to kind of clear out and let UConn and just let the minutes open up a year from now, I think there's a role for sailor on that 2022 team. There's more of a role for Mir McLean and Aubrey Griffin and even P.F. Gabriel, to a certain degree, if you lose Kristen, Olivia, Avina, maybe even Dorka to the pros, there's going to be a lot more minutes available. So I think if these players can just progress behind the scenes and be patient this year, maybe come in and impact a few games, there's going to be a much bigger opening for them down the road. Yeah, I think that's really key that they just have to recognize that, yeah, there's a lot of talent on this roster this year, but you are losing at least three, most likely. I guess technically everyone has an extra year, but most likely you're losing at least three, if not four players next year. So there's there's going to be more minutes to go around and there's space to they develop the way they should over the course of the year. There's definitely space for them to have bigger roles on this team. So just being patient and knowing that that's coming is going to be really key. Right. And just something a little more administrative, but I know after the season, I put out my scholarship grid and a couple people mentioned like, oh, you have Sailor listed as a freshman, even though she came in last year. I kind of feel like she was still a freshman going into next year. UConn on their new roster, their 2021-22 roster, has her listed as a freshman in case you were wondering with that. Kind of looking through it, I don't really see any other things that totally stand out. Amari DeBerry is 6'5", Caroline Ducharm is 6'2", P.F. Gabriel still 6'5". I don't think anyone else's height has changed. I remember from freshman to sophomore year, Olivia Nelson and Dota grew from 6'4 to 6'5, but everyone else has pretty much stayed the same. So no real surprises there. Yeah, and I think listing Sailor as a freshman is consistent with what I've seen kind of across the board of 
you know, there was a handful of players that did what she did last year and came in early. And uh, I think they're all still being listed as freshmen. They're not counting last year as their freshman season. Right. They only played half the season. So makes as sense. they should, I think. Yeah, exactly. Because it's kind of like a bonus half year. I don't know what you want right. to call it, but yeah. <laughs> this was always supposed to be her freshman year. And she's definitely not a sophomore. Like she's just so clearly in a different category than all of the other freshmen that I guess she was technically in the same class with. But yeah, I mean, I guess because we have no other technical term, she was a freshman last year. But whenever I tried to refer to her, I called her an early enrollee because I was a little more accurate than freshman. But next prediction, well, I guess our last court category would be who's an end of the bench player. And I think PF probably fits into that again, just with who's in front of her in the front court. She definitely improved last season, showed some good things. I don't really necessarily know, especially without having the summer, if she can make enough of a development step to play next season in meaningful minutes. She's the only one that I think is definitely in that, end of the bench category. I think Sailor could be stuck there just for another year because of the sheer numbers they have in the backcourt. I think she'd probably be behind, be behind Caroline. Once Caroline has a full off season in the books, they won't be at the same level, but they'll be kind of close unless she just really, really progresses. I have a hard time seeing Sailor getting solid minutes this upcoming year, despite everything I just said about her. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's fair. And uh, ultimately, like they're probably gonna be, it could be the two of them, but there's probably another player or two that just slips into that that category just because there's only so many minutes and there's a lot. It's a, a big roster and a strong roster, so there's probably a couple other players that are gonna need to wait their turns till you know next year to really get substantial minutes. This next prediction kind of ties in with what we're talking about, but what player do you see having maybe a bigger jump? then I wouldn't necessarily say what we're expecting, but just what an average fan might expect. And Aaliyah Edwards doesn't count. <laughs> I would think maybe Nika, just because so much of what she contributed this year was on the defensive end. But I think kind of before she got injured toward the end of the season, we saw a couple games where she had strong offensive performances. So I think if she can kind of emerge with being a consistent scorer, that's going to be a, a really big kind of, deal for her role on this team especially because there's really no one that can replace what she brings on the defensive end so if she can add that as well it's definitely gonna add more minutes for her yeah I think I mean like I'm very high on Nika and I like her as a player I just don't know how much growth we're gonna see tangibly on the court like I don't think her points per game are gonna improve all that much just because she's going to have so many more scores around her. So I think she'll be happy to just take a facilitator and defensive role next season and maybe score what the defense gives her. So maybe she'll just be a little more efficient in terms of her shooting, but there was a point where she was, I think UConn's second best three point shooter. So it's not like we didn't see that as a freshman. I just more feel like we're not going to see as much of a jump from her just because she already has a bit of a high floor. I think one of Aubrey Griffin or Mir McLean, I don't know which one, are going to be a monster next season. I think it could be either of them, but one of those two, maybe both of them, are going to take a big jump this offseason, and they're just going to be that disruptive, slashing, super athletic destroyer that we've seen flashes of, more so from Aubrey than Mir, but 
I just see one of them being a really, really big factor next season, which I think changes a lot of what UConn can do and gives them something that they didn't really have this year. Yeah, I could see that because they're such unique players that there's just more of an opportunity to create carve out a space for them. And then if they make that jump, there's there's definitely opportunity for them to get bigger minutes. Last prediction here. Who do you think is their number three scorer, assuming that Paige and Kristen are one and two? I'm going to go with Liv here just because, I mean, she might not put up the most points when they play like South Carolina, but I think just the way she's obviously able to feast in the paint against the East opponents is going to make her the number three one there. I really could see her being number two just because of that. I think this is going to sound confusing, so bear with me, but I think to a certain degree, it might be Avina Westbrook in the way that you said it, where like she's going to be the third option to score in terms of who has the third most points. I think it's going to be AZ. I think we don't necessarily know what she's going to look like, but I just assume she's going to score a lot of points right off the bat. That seems to be what she does best, especially if she can come in and be a lock or a lights out three point shooter. That's just going to add up the points pretty quickly. So, I mean, when Steph Curry is saying that she's one of the best shooters he's ever seen coming from the second best three point shooter in NBA history, this is a UConn podcast. Ray Allen is still number one on that list. I I think she's just going to score a lot regardless of what else she does. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. And like I think I said earlier, there's definitely a role for her because this team struggled with their three-point shooting so much last year. I think that's a, a very easy way for her to plug in and be a big-time scorer on this team. I just think that that's three players in the backcourt, and there's still like so many, only so many touches to go around, so if the ball's going to go inside, I think I'd lean more towards Liv or even Aliyah, depending kind of who plays more minutes in that, that spot. But yeah, I actually was kind of thinking Aliyah could be a dark horse candidate in there. I even Gino has said, I believe somewhere that maybe Aliyah has more of a scoring load this year and Liv is more of a point forward. So I think I'm, who are you most excited to see just out of this group? Not like, I guess you can take that however you, however you want, but I'm just very excited to see what Aaliyah Edwards looks like after potentially a full summer with the Canadian national team. Yeah, I think she's a big one. And then I also like, obviously people are excited to watch Paige, but I just think when you think about the fact that she had to have ankle surgery, right? So when we saw her at towards the end of the last season, she wasn't really at like full Paige Becker's strength. She was dealing with an injury. So I'm excited to see what full strength Paige Beckers looks like because it's kind of remarkable that that wasn't what we saw down the stretch last year. Right. I feel like Paige is going to have a sophomore season where like there were the people that were like, oh, Ashley Jones should have won <laughs> friggin' national player of the year over Paige Beckers. All like, I, I feel like Paige is just going to have such a dominant season that even yeah. the people that will turn themselves into pretzels arguing that, well, when you break down Caitlin Clark's three-point shooting when she's heavily defended on Tuesday nights when the wind is blowing from the south in Des Moines, she's a better three-point shooter and a better player than Paige Beck. Like, just no one, I don't think, are going to be able to make those ridiculous arguments. Oh, people still will. But I've seen things on Twitter this week trying to say that, like, Jewel Lloyd is the best player on the Seattle Storm. And I'm just like, come on, oh let's, let's be well, people will make the arguments, but yeah, they'll at least look more foolish. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, I mean, like one day Brianna Stewart's going to be 35 and she will have won 
17 WNBA titles, 15 WNBA MVPs, and has lost four games in the last five seasons. And people are still going to be doing the same thing where it's like, oh, Stewie just has a really strong team around her. She doesn't really do a whole lot. Like she basically Brianna Stewart's goat argument in the future is going to turn into like when people try and argue that Tom Brady isn't the greatest of all time. And it's just like, okay, like it could come on. Like you, you just can't at this point, like the mountain of evidence is just too much at this point. Stop trying to just stop, just stop. (laughs) But like, I think to a certain degree this season, people were like, Oh, Paige is only getting this attention because she's at UConn. And like, for as good as she was like, sure. I guess Caitlin Clark had a higher points per game. If you want to go down that road, but like, I think Paige is just going to be so dominant next season where UConn's not going to lose a game. They're going to be winning by a million. It's going to be pretty indisputable next year, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing that's stopping her from being institutionally the best player is that, like, Kristen has a huge, like, growth and plays like that player that everyone always thought, or AZ really is better than Paige. Like, I think those are her, her main competition for being the best player in the country next year. That's true. I mean... Like I say this, like I'm not interested to see what every single player looks like next season, but like, obviously AZ is there. Sure. But I'm very curious about the other two freshmen, Caroline and Amare. Like, I don't know a ton about them. I haven't really watched any film of them. I'm interested just to see what type of players they are. Cause I feel like those exhibition games are always really good where it's like, okay, now I have an image of this player in my head and I'm not just basing off what the scouting reports, the coaches, their teammates have said about them. Like it was the same thing with Aaliyah Edwards specifically this past season where Kristen compared her to FISA. And I'm kind of trying to think of like what player she might be. I kind of thought she was going to be more of a wing. And then the first game against UMass Lowell, she's just barreling players over and sending UMass Lowell players into the first row. Like, like, Oh, that's who Aaliyah Edwards is. Okay. Okay. So I'm excited to see that with all the freshmen, but Caroline and Amari in particular. Yeah. Agreed. I think, especially because sometimes you just get some like big surprises there. Like everyone talks so much about Paige coming into this season that I think Aaliyah got a little overshadowed and, you know, anywhere else in the country, she would have been one of probably the most talked about freshmen. So I'm interested to see kind of if, if they get that again with someone like Caroline or Amari and like, obviously going to be huge for this team but it'll be interesting to see kind of what they look like because so much attention has been on AZ which assuming she's as good as Paige or whatever rightfully so but it'll be exciting to see what the others look like as well I still just can't I know I've said this before but I just can't imagine anyone being better or as good as Paige just because of how well Paige handled everything I, I I'm a broken record here but like I don't know if anyone has ever looked like Paige did as a freshman, especially at UConn with the pressure that comes with it. The way that like she just shrugged everything off. Like Paige, people are telling you that you need to be the greatest basketball player of all time as a freshman. And she was like, all right, bet. <laughs> like, it, yeah. Basketball wise, like maybe AZ is as good, but I think it's just the mentality that set Paige apart that made her so good. Yeah, I think that's, definitely a huge part of it I 
can't really wrap my head around how easy it could possibly be better. So I mean, we'll see what happens come the fall, but I kind of agree. I just can't imagine someone being coming in and having a better freshman season than Paige did. Can you imagine how mad people would be if she is though? <laughs> like like just how people angry people were that Paige was good? <laughs> yeah, if we have Paige and she's playing at like some level higher than what she played this year, and then AZ Cummins and is actually has a better freshman season than Paige Beckers did by some I like don't even I can't wrap my head around at all how that would happen. People are gonna lose their minds. They're gonna lose their minds because people I mean people have to hate you come that's fine they've won a lot it makes sense but <laughs> yeah you're not gonna it's gonna be funny i would i kind of right. want it to happen just because it'd be fun to watch <laughs> oh i'm like when i'm not personally involved in anything like watching a super bowl or championship game like that i'm generally team chaos in terms of this yeah i'm i'm team chaos anything that's just gonna make like that very I don't know how large of a group it is, but that at least vocal minority of people who just hate anytime UConn does anything. It's really fun to watch those people squirm. It's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the class of people that like what, like two years ago when UConn was struggling, was like, Gino can't recruit anymore. That he recruited two generational talents in back-to-back classes. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are like, I remember people like oh, AZ's going to UConn like so much for spreading out talent around the country. It's like, yeah, AZ should willingly not go to the place she wants to go because you can, I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> And it's also like all the people that are like, she's only so hyped because she's going to UConn. And I was like, everyone knew who AZ Fun was before, long before she made that commitment. <laughs> like, it's funny. I think my favorite one was that Paige only won all the national players of the year award national player of the year awards because sports center showed her the most of any <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> player. And it's like, okay, I think the people that are voting on these awards aren't basing their judgments off of sports center. Yeah. I would hope they're actually, you know, watching the games and <laughs> looking at the stats and paying attention to what's going on. <laughs> like I know, uh, the two Connecticut voters for the AP, Roger Cleveland and Carl Adamick, like they both take those votes very, very seriously. And I imagine people who are in the USBWA, USBWA and the other AP voters, like, I I mean, like, it, yeah, it's just, they're not, yeah. they're, they're just not using that as a baseline, but it's just like, come on, come on. But I see that argument frequently. It's not always like directly related to the sports center, but it's like the ESPN narrative was that Paige was going to be the best player in the country and then before she won all the awards. And like, it's like, no, that's not how it works. It's actually just that she was the best player in the country. Right. It's, it's just funny. It, like, it, it really just is. It's, it's yeah. funny. <laughs> Speaking of players who just tied people into pretzels, Brianna Stewart. <laughs> first WNBA player in 10 years to get a signature shoe and someone sent me a reply tweet to the uh, or maybe it was someone got it in their mentions but it was like how is Stewie getting one before the reigning WNBA MVP it's like same thing oh like gosh. okay this is literally <laughs> Brianna Stewart who has won every single thing on the face of the planet when she's been healthy recently like easily I don't know if she's the most recognizable 
women's basketball player in the world. Like it might be one of the older players that has that, but like one of the most recognizable players, like I just hope these shoes aren't ugly. Like I went and looked up what Diana Taurasi's signature shoes were back in the mid to early two thousands or something. They were, they were tough. They were tough. Yeah. Yeah, I really hope they're not ugly too because I already want them and I have not seen them. I do feel like the Puma basketball shoes that have come out recently because they've really just started getting into that space, but they have been pretty solid shoes. So I feel like hopefully they're going to be good. Um, the ones that like, because Katie Lucy Hamilton's also on a, a Puma athlete and the shoes that she's been in the ads for and stuff are pretty good looking shoes. So hopefully that's a sign that they're going to be not ugly. But yeah, I'm really excited about this. I think it's, I mean, it's definitely time where there's a market for it. I think there's a very clear market for it. And clearly it wasn't something that was going to happen when she was at Nike because why else really would you leave Nike to go to Puma? Um, well, I'm sure right. there was a, a, mon- a monetary incentive as well, but I think the bigger incentive was probably the signature shoe deal. So I'm excited to see what they look like when they come. I don't really know how it would work in college, especially because UConn's Nike. Like I don't, with all the NIL net name image and likeness legislation coming through and some starting this year where college athletes can make money off their own personal brand. I think like every single study has shown that Paige Beckers is not just the biggest women's basketball college athlete to take that can take advantage of this, but literally the biggest name in college basketball who has the ability to profit off her own image Imagine a Paige Becker's signature shoe with like Yukon colors and stuff while she was in college or just whatever it was. Can you imagine how fast those things would sell? It would sell so fast. I like, yeah, I can't even imagine. It's like kind of remarkable, like how far her brand reaches. It's just like a freshman at UConn. And I mean, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but I literally will have people from all over, I, at work, like all <laughs> over the country that will ping me after UConn plays and be like, oh, Paige Beckers <laughs> last night. Like, <laughs> and they're not people that like regularly follow women's basketball or anything. So just the, the amount of awareness that she has in the country is really impressive. But yeah, her shoes will... I mean, if she was able to have her own shoe, they would fly off the shelves. It would be like the like Adidas, like Beyonce drops and stuff where you got to like get in the queue and like <laughs> try yeah. to get stuff. <laughs> right. Well, and like this is not meant to come off as a knock on the WNBA, but just I think UConn's brand and UConn women's basketball has just so much more visibility and such a bigger reach than her, like than with Stewie on the Seattle Storm, like just being a UConn women's basketball player is such a household thing. And everyone who knows it, like you mentioned, people that don't normally watch basketball aren't, I imagine aren't messaging you like, Oh, did you see Stewie? What Stewie did last night against Connecticut? I don't actually know what she did last night against Connecticut, but <laughs> at, like to that point, like so many people tune into UConn women's basketball every single year throughout the year that I just feel like her profile is so large being at UConn that, if they got her a signature shoe while she was still here. Yeah, exactly. That I don't think it's a knock to the WNBA to just say that like UConn, because of how great they have been in the past and stuff, the brand is just so big. I've been like random places. I remember once, I think it was like right after I graduated, my family went to like Yellowstone National Park and stuff. And we were in like some random like convenience store in Montana. And I had like a UConn hat on and someone came up and was like, 
saying stuff about the women's basketball program. Like, it's just, it's kind of remarkable how far, like, everyone really does know about UConn and the women's basketball program. I actually have a next level on that one. I was in Oregon two summers ago, and we were, like, going to these waterfalls, and uh, it was, like, a mile walk into the waterfall. So it's not, like, right off the road in Portland, Oregon, or anything like that literally you had to walk into this place. There were a bunch of other waterfalls around. I had a Yukon shirt on and I, we run into this family who had like, it was an older guy. He had graduated from Yukon in like the sixties or something. And then a younger kid who was graduated maybe like 10 years before I did. Like it, it's the same thing. Like just so many people know Yukon, you run into Yukon people everywhere you go. It's just incredible. So yeah, I, if this NIL stuff can get through while Paige is in college, she's not only going to make a ton of money off it, but if you want a reason to care about it, if Paige is making bank off her own image in college, there's not only a good likelihood that she could stay for her fourth season. She's eligible to leave after her third year to, to stay for her third season could even convince her to stay for her fifth season to play four years with AZ. Like that is quite possible. I can't even imagine what you would do with the record books at that point, but so <laughs> they need away. to get, if they get them. NIL through with Paige still at UConn and it's a good bill where she can really, really profit off herself. Like it's, it's going to be nuts. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of hard to fathom. Just, I mean, she's only a freshman and she's at this level of popularity and it's only going to go up from here. So yeah, <laughs> I'm all about five years of, Page Beckers and four years of Page and AC, that would be quite fun. So <laughs> just imagine how mad that would make people if Paige came so back for the fifth year. People oh, would be God. so angry. It would, oh, it would be wonderful. I would it would makes it even more fun. <laughs> oh, I would it's just soak fun. it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some other news and notes from the last few weeks. Morgan Tuck, after retiring from the WNBA, has been hired as the Connecticut Suns director of franchise development from the press release. It kind of feels like it's almost going to be like a social justice and social advocate liaison for the team between the franchise and then these outside organizations where just finding different ways where the sun can get involved in the community. Yeah, exactly. And a good role from her. I mean, she retires, but now finds her way back into the franchise where she was playing and in a front office role. Um, definitely a solid way to still stay connected to the WNBA, even though she's not going to be playing going forward. And then Anna Makarot signed with a team in Poland, the first division in Poland. This is now the part where I attempt to pronounce the name of this team. It is AZS space AJP Gorzhev Vilkopolsky. Let's hope I got that one right. I listened to a video on YouTube before we started recording. I don't, and I just, th there are way too many letters and acronyms and different things going on there for me to wrap my head around. It's a little tough. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there. I'm not even going to pronounce it. I'm just going to assume you were correct. <laughs> One last note from Gino's Zoom call today. He mentioned that Shay Ralph was actually in the mix for the Vandy job back in 2016, which I thought was kind of interesting. He also 
mentioned how kind of at the end of every year, she would get feelers from different programs about whether or not she was interested in the head coaching job. So it seems like her move to Vanderbilt and becoming a head coach has not necessarily been in the works, but it's been, it's, it's been bound to happen for a few years. Yeah, exactly. It was already possibly in the cards back in 2016 now officially happens in 2021, but she's definitely been in contact with that athletic department in the past. So I'm excited to see what she does there this season. Lastly, we've been waiting the entire <laughs> the show to news. talk about this. I really thought about opening the show with this, but I'm like, ah, I don't <laughs> want to lose everyone right off the bat. The best news in the last two weeks Actually, and this isn't totally UConn unrelated because UConn, I think, was the one that announced it with a video yeah. <laughs> from Gino. So we are tying this in. The U.S. women's national team, the soccer team, is coming to the rent in July. Let's go. I am so excited for this. Yes. Yeah, so excited. It's their send-off series before they head out to Tokyo for the Olympics. Two games against Mexico. I, like, could not be more excited. I'm ecstatic. My family's already, like, making our plans about what game we're going to. There's not even ticket information yet, but we're just, like, already getting too excited for this. So, What game? I think we're going to do this. What? You're saying you're you're only going to go to one of these? <laughs> yeah, I think just one. I don't know. I kind of want to go to both. Maybe I will go to both. I haven't really thought that far ahead yet. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely going to both if I can pull it off. Like, <laughs> what, any chance you can get to see Rose Lavelle in person, you have to take it. And, yeah, you know the rest of the true. women's national team. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. I do love Rose Lavelle. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I love watching them in person. I try to think. When was the last time they were at the Ryan? It's been a while. July 2018. Okay, yeah. So before the last World Cup. Yeah. I was going to say, the last time I saw them in person was when they won the World Cup. So this is going to be... Oh, that's right. I forgot I needed to you for that. (laughs) Well, the last time they came to the rent, I mean, like, it's so funny now because they... Well, they lost to Sweden, right? Or did they tie Sweden? I think they tied. I don't think they lost. Oh, God. Yeah, so... They like haven't lost since the World Cup, but like going into that World Cup, it was like very much not a sure thing that they were going to win that. Right. They had a pretty tough draw. No one knew what their defense was going to look like. And before that, like the entire year before that, they had played like crap. Like they had not <laughs> been very good the year before that. And that includes when they were in East Hartford for that tournament of nations because they played Australia, I believe. I'm pretty sure. And. Yeah. They just looked horrible the whole game. They gave up an early goal, I want to say, or a first half goal. And I think Alex Morgan tied it in, if not added time near the end of the game. So at least we got a goal, but like, it was not a very fun game to watch. They're playing Mexico who no disrespect to Mexico, but I think there's like five teams in the world that the U S like will actually play competitive games with. And Mexico's not one of those teams. So hopefully it'll be a lot of goals in both games. It'll actually be the first time that all three hosts of Chasing Perfection will are going to be in the same place. Me, Megan, and Rose Lavelle, who just doesn't know she's one of the hosts of Chasing Perfection yet. Yeah. Our honorable mention host that hopefully will be on the show one day. I feel like there's a connection now. She's in this little Yukon video so we can, you know, bring her on the show. That's true. She was. She could be an honorable Yukon graduate. 
She yeah. went to Wisconsin, okay. so there's like no bad blood between our schools. That Mercer Mosley's oh, the head connect- coach at Wisconsin. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a connection, and they've got a former UConn coach up there, women's basketball head coach. There's some connections. We can do this. <laughs> the ties are just getting deeper and deeper. Also, Alexa Philippou of the Current had an interesting note. She wrote, or she spoke with Alyssa Nair, who's from Connecticut, from Trumbull. Apparently, Alyssa Nair was a big UConn women's basketball fan growing up. She used to, this is from Alexis tweet. She used to pretend like she was Svetlana Abrosimova, Shay Ralph, Rebecca Lobo playing in her backyard. And then eventually Subert and Diana Taurasi when she was older, which I didn't think Alyssa Nair was that old. And yeah, well, like, I just messing up my timeline. Like I feel like 1995 would be. She was probably playing basketball. I'm trying to think. I don't think she's that old, but like, I think she's older than me. And I would have been like one in 95. So she's 33. Probably. Yeah, so yeah. So she would have been seven. That's yeah. yeah, okay, that's an appropriate age. When I was seven, I was pretending to be Tom Brady, so like <laughs> it's fine. I was pretending to be Mia Ham. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm I'm very excited for this. Like yeah, hope like I know sometimes every now and then like or I think it's more of an issue with the men's national team where they just have ridiculous ticket prices. I hope it's not like that, but also perks of Connecticut just being awesome with dealing with COVID and allowing us to get to a hundred percent capacity with things, because that's exactly how us soccer is picking their locations right now. They went to Texas because they can get a hundred percent capacity there. I feel like the reason they're coming to Connecticut is they know they're going to get a lot of fans there. So. Yeah. It's exciting. It's going to feel, it's going to feel normal too, right? Like the rent at full capacity, people are going to be tailgating. It's, it's going to be exciting. I cannot wait. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the last few times they've played games, they've just had like weird circumstances. Like I remember the time before the tournament of nations, it was a really, really cold game. I oh, remember yeah. sitting in the freezing. upper level where it was freezing. I remember going to a game where like, it was thunder and lightning and like the bowl, like there was just water, like coming <laughs> down in buckets. Uh, there was one game where it poured fun fact. The NWSL was born at Rensselaer field. I don't know. Did you read the, okay. the national team book by Caitlin Murray that came out two years ago? I think I have not read that. I've been meaning to get it and I just have not, but I did not know that the oh. NWSL started at rent the rent. Very good. Yeah. It was, it was that, I don't <laughs> I remember it in my head, but there's one game where it like poured the whole game uh, for a women's national team game 2013, maybe. And that was in the locker room of that game. I don't remember if it was before or after was when the players were told about this new women's professional soccer league and um, if they wanted to be involved and things of that nature. So it was in it was at Rensselaer Field where the players were first told about it. Oh, that's really cool. And yeah, I do remember that it pouring that 2013 game. And then it was the, I think 2016 game that was absolutely freezing. Cause I was a senior at UConn at the time. Okay. And I had a night class at the, like Ooh. the night that they were playing and we had an exam and I convinced, oh. to, I convinced him to move the exam though. We moved wow. the exam so I could go to the game. It was like a eight person class that I had had the, it was a grad class and I had had the professor twice in undergrad. Oh, nice. So he was also my thesis advisor. So it, it was a pretty easy argument. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the move. So now the question is, should I buy a Rose Lavelle jersey 
for this game because like i don't love their current jerseys i like their white one it's fine but i really like their world cup ones but i don't want to get one and then have their next like round of jerseys be ones that like i just absolutely love and like oh i need that jersey when i just dropped a bunch of money on a roosevelt jersey that i like so this is the conundrum that i'm dealing with right now yeah, are they supposed to get new kits for the Olympics or no? I don't think so. I don't know. I I I'm I think I'm gonna try and ask someone to see if they know. Shout out to Meg Linehan at the Athletic, who constantly has people asking her when the NWSL schedule is gonna drop. <laughs> I'm gonna ask her. I think I'm gonna have to bug her about that. Hopefully she replies. Yeah, yeah I like if they're gonna get new jerseys for the Olympics. I kind of want to hold out for that, but you figured they'd have to be getting announced somewhat soon. We're two months away less than yeah, two months away exactly. you would think that actually honestly like if they were going to get new kits for the olympics they would probably use them for the send-off series so you probably have some time and they might be able to get it before anyway right? i know they leaked doesn't... yeah I, I didn't mean to cut you off but i know they leaked no. potential third jerseys had you seen those i don't think so i think i missed that they're kind of horrible and bad but I also kind of <laughs> love them. Here, I'll send it, send them to you. They're like this. They're like red and white stripes, but not like the pirate shirts that they had. Oh god, those were awful. or something. <laughs> oh no, those were great. I'm on the other side. Those they should have oh. leaned into those and made those like <laughs> the best were when they had the diagonal sash on their jerseys. I don't know if the women did. The men had those. Those were great. They had like a those. a white one, a blue one, and a red one. Those were amazing. Yeah, I'm not remembering those, but yeah. I don't know. I really do like the World Cup ones. They're really good. Yeah, those I agree. Oh yeah, here. Oh, they're they're not red and white. They're red and blue. They're oh, that's different. They're something. They're they're really something. <laughs> oh no no! I don't want to send this in general. <laughs> drop it in general and just. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't love them but i don't hate them either i don't know like they're creative I feel like if, yeah i think i would like them more if they it bothered me that like the pattern doesn't really line up like it looks like there's like an awkward seam in the middle that like they don't align the pattern right i don't know <laughs> so like like i just don't want to like jerseys are so expensive i just don't want to spend a bunch yeah. of money on a jersey that like i'm not huge fan of and have them come out with one that I really, really like soon. So I have time to decide, I guess. Yeah, you do. You've got, you've got a few weeks or actually, oh, it's July. So almost a month or over a month. Um, yeah. Side note, Connecticut needs an NWSL team. Like why has this not happened yet? I'm I was so actually going to bring this up. Like I saw the <laughs> ratings for the NWSL Challenge Cup and Connecticut or not Connecticut. I want to say Hartford was like eighth or something, which yeah. is like pretty impressive considering i guess gotham wasn't it but like i don't know any gotham nwsl fans yeah like connecticut is such an underrated market there were was that report that there was like a christine lily mohegan sun like bid for one i don't know what happened with that but you like you have the state you have plenty of stadiums to pick from i think dylan stadium might be a little small but you have the rent i think they're building some stadium up in east windsor at some new complex or Windsor locks or something at least we, yeah. NWSL would be a very underrated spot, but I feel like it's the, it's just not going to be high on their priority list because they'd probably rather have one up in Boston. 
but there used to be one in Boston and I don't have it anymore. It went away. Right. It, it died. Like, yeah. I went to one of the, like their last season games. I saw Rose LaBelle play for them. At, they played mm-hmm. at like this dinky field in, at Harvard. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, yeah, I, I don't I know. I fully agree. I feel like there's such a market for it in Connecticut. I think because like UConn women's basketball is so big and like there's a market for the WNBA because of that. And I think there's just generally a big women's spark, sports market here. I think it would do really well. Right. And soccer. I mean, Hartford Athletic does. Yeah. Fantastic. We haven't even seen what they can do with like a full season of full capacity. I mean, they were selling out, they sold out 50% capacity in their season opener. They were selling out. I think they were like, they went from anywhere between 25 to 40% last season. I mean, their first season, they were just God awful. So that doesn't exactly help build, but like I see people with Hartford athletic stuff on a lot of places that I go. I think an NWSL team would absolutely do great in Connecticut. So someone needs to get on that. If anyone rich is listening to this podcast, please start an NWSL team. Yeah. Also hit us up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We'd like to be involved. (laughs) No, I feel like you just need a handful of rich people. Like the LA team is just like all like celebrities or whatever that are owning it. There's a whole bunch of people. You don't have to have a ton of money. Just gonna have more money than we do. (laughs) See what Bob, from Bob's discount furniture is doing Yeah, like I'm, exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're like the official furniture sponsor of the Patriots or something. Yeah. They've got some money. Sponsor I'm, some oh, sports. <laughs> I'm also pretty sure that he lives in Glastonbury and I'm pretty sure I know where he, like the area that he lives in Glastonbury. And I'll just say he could comfortably own an NWSL team. <laughs> like there's we're, we live in Connecticut. There are plenty of rich people plenty of rich people no there's definitely a market for it so hopefully whenever they're expanding more i know they just did a bunch of expansion but hopefully there's one in the works i'm still disappointed that the like christine lily mohegan someone doesn't really seem to have happened <laughs> no that i mean like yeah mohegan sun is right there too you have a wnba team and nwsl in like they had what like indoor lacrosse or something like that like yeah come on Black Wolves or whatever. I don't know. I, don't, I think I moved yeah. or something. I don't think they're there anymore. But yeah, they did have it. There are rumors. Well, not even rumors. Like uh, the Hartford Athletic owner actually confirmed it that like the USL is trying to start a women's league. And the Hartford Athletic owner said that Hartford would have a team, but it would be like a semi pro team. It wouldn't be like the NWSL. And like there are a bunch of semi pro teams in and around Connecticut where it's a lot of college players. But it like it's just not the same. It's not the same visibility. It's just not the NWSL. So exactly, yeah. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, it'll come. There's definitely like I feel like just in general, like in Harvard, especially because you don't have like any major like right men's professional leagues in Connecticut. There's just such a market for smaller things, women's sports. For you know, like the Hartford Yard Goats, it's literally a minor league team, but they like sell out that stadium every game (laughs) yeah i mean i the rent might be a little big because you're not i don't think you're gonna get forty thousand per game i mean even in portland they don't get that many but like dylan stadium also just feels a little small at 5500 if you had like a ten thousand seat stadium like it would be a really nice small market team like louisville like louisville isn't in a big market i want to say their stadium's twelve thousand seats like that is would be like perfect to put in Hartford 
Yeah, exactly. Hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I like, so. you think about it. The NWSL has, what, like 12 confirmed teams with with uh, Angel City and then maybe, like, San Diego coming in next year, right? Is right. Is 12? So yeah, I think it's you think that they're probably going to try and – even if they just, like, grow to 20, that is eight more teams that you're adding in somewhere – it's all about the owners. If we can find a rich person, I imagine Connecticut could actually be a pretty good, like the national team ratings, the women's national team ratings. They always get very good ratings in Hartford, considering there's nothing connected to Hartford in these games. You mentioned the women's sports connections already. Come on, let's, let's make it happen. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, every time the national team comes to the rent, like it, it's packed people come out so yeah and they come back to the rent a good amount because of that mm-hmm. exactly it's actually probably one of the places that they frequent the most i think on their tours like they are here fairly often so that would actually be really interesting if anyone who's still listening wants would like wanted to calculate like where they go the most hartford i don't know if hartford would be number one that Orlando stadium would probably be number one, but they'd be yeah. close. Yeah. Top yeah. Five. I think Orlando. Yeah. Orlando would definitely win and maybe someplace in like Texas or something, but they're, they're in Hartford quite a bit. We can dream. We can dream. At least <laughs> we have the national team come frequently. That's, that's yes. also pretty good. Yeah. And I guess Absolutely we're not having... far from new york and gotham stadium because they play at red bull now so it's not like you have right. to go to the middle of nowhere in new jersey like you used to so <laughs> i would even like i would prefer a connecticut team i would be happy with a boston team again yeah if someone could Agreed. revive the breakers because like <laughs> getting to boston is infinitely easier than getting to new york i i disagree with that but okay <laughs> really well, you Boston can take a train so to New York. I, it is easier to drive to Boston than to drive to New York. But yes, that's, that's what public, I mean. Public transit-wise, it's way easier to get to New York. Is it easier to get to Harrison, though? Well, kind of, because all you have to do is take the path from, like, I think World Trade Center like, directly goes there. I, in 2019, spent a fun nine months of work basically living in the Marriott in Harrison, so... Oh, yeah, it's pretty easy to get to from the city. (laughs) Okay. I'll take your word for that, though, because I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing in Harrison, but (laughs) it is easy to get there. (laughs) I just very strongly prefer going to Boston. That's just easy. I prefer driving. That is much easier, in my opinion. So, especially like if they, I mean, the Revs have been talking about getting a stadium in downtown Boston for. 25 years if that ever happens and you can get an nwsl team that would be incredible but yeah yeah just let's get one in the region i would settle for boston but preferably yeah Harvard. agreed i would settle for boston but like if connecticut even if you could do like southern connecticut i don't care just put it somewhere <laughs> I, honestly you could actually probably make an argument that hartford is a better spot than boston because boston's so saturated with pro teams and hartford yeah. gets better ratings on this stuff anyways so Hartford's probably yeah. a better market. Yeah, it actually probably is. Connecticut is definitely. It's a really good market for a team. And then if they became like enough of a draw in the rest of New England, like everyone else would start paying attention. So just make it New England's team, but in Hartford. 
I'm just gonna start like playing the lottery and then if I ever win, I'll, I'll just buy an NWSL team, it's fine. <laughs> I was just gonna say, it's really frustrating and I'm not a multi-billionaire. <laughs> yeah, if I just had more money, yeah, we could just solve this problem. <laughs> Chasing Perfection FC. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it would have to be blue and green, though. If they weren't blue and green, I would have some oh, yeah. issues. Oh, yeah. I'd be mad if they bring any new team into Hartford and it's not blue and green. I feel like they need to rebrand the Wolfpack into something that's like blue and green so that all the Hartford teams are. Or just get rid of them. Yeah, that too. That could work, too. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun every once in a while. They've got dollar beer night or whatever. <laughs> that's fair. I go to UConn hockey, so I get enough of my hockey fix there. That's fair. Yeah. They should just start doing dollar beer night at UConn hockey, and then there would really be no reason to go to Wolfpack games. <laughs> Actually, are, isn't UConn allowing alcohol sale at games? Oh, yeah. I, was that announced? I, have we talked to – well, they announced it, like, a long time ago. I feel like at Gamble. I don't know if we ever talked about it, though. It's very, very exciting that you can now buy beer on campus at events the those i mean like gamble's already nuts like oh, that's gonna take it to the next level it really will yeah it really will plus i think it's just exciting for fans like i feel like that's one of the big draws about people going to the games that excel one is that it's like centrally located and a little easier to get to for probably most people during the week but i think also the fact that you can like get a beer at excel which you couldn't do at a gamble before but now you can do it at Campbell and obviously the environment at Campbell is just better. So I think it's going to be a big draw. For sure. Well, if you're still listening, that's going to do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. You can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Connolly. I think you can follow our third host at Rose Lavelle. Let me just double check that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just at Rose Lavelle. So follow her there. Be sure to subscribe to the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Sign up for the premium if you want that content. Read the UConn blog. Megan, any last thoughts? If anyone Rich is listening and wants to start an NWSL team, DM us on Twitter. <laughs> right, also toss some money our way. We wouldn't mind that one. Yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Thanks for listening.